Damn, we're already on episode twenty. I feel like a. I feel like um. Wait, twenty weeks. Is. It's been longer than twenty weeks. Oh, because I guess we haven't really been doing it. No, twenty ten months. It's been one year. It's been a year. Are you serious? Yes. When did we start this thing? January. God damn! What a scam. Okay. All right. Well, um. I guess it's my. I'm so tired though. I don't want my camera on. All right, guys. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 20 of Elo Punters. My name is Anurag Das, and we're here with your hosts Bob Wong and Daniel Gochel. What up, crew? Yo, yo. Good to be here. I'm glad someone finally woke up. Dude, I'm 40 minutes late, but nobody needs to know that, right? Um, shout out to the new patrons. We've got Eli, Felix, Miko, Ivan, Luca, Zikai. Okay, Lucas, Russell, and Mads. And then also, uh, don't forget. At Ellie of the Veil, that's our wonderful podcast editor. Be sure to show uh, her your support as well. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, friends, how's it going? Good. Pretty good. Happy to be here, you know? I feel like it's been, a... It's been a while. Yeah, exactly. I feel like a lot has gone on since like we last recorded. I don't even remember... What did we do in the last episode? We talked about... Uh, we talked about some new decks that were popping up, kind of. And we talked about Rug Delver which we always do. So I feel like a lot of things have gone on outside of magic, but in terms of like within magic or its legacy specifically, I feel like nothing has changed more or less. Oh my goodness. Reed, thank you so much for the raid. That's 850 people. Guys, we just started recording our podcast. So uh, we're going to be talking about legacy and we're going to be talking about a couple Kaldheim spoilers. Uh, I've got Bob and Daniel in the cut here and they're going to give a lot of the secret intel um, but before we get into like all of that stuff, I guess we should just talk about like catch me up, Daniel. What's been going on, Bob? What's been going on? Well, uh, I just uh, won the Legacy PTQ last week, which was nice, and uh, I put the cyborg guide up on Patreon. I'll be writing somewhere. I also wrote like uh, my thoughts on the deck and flex slots and why cyborg. So, well, how I many PTQ wins is that now off Legacy? That's the third Legacy qualification. He you can't ask. You can't ask anything. these questions, Bob. He signed an NDA with the Secret Gods of Magic. He's not allowed to tell any of his secrets. It's ridiculous, actually. Like Daniel's conversion rate. Like no, it wasn't even just the PTQ. Didn't you also win one of the Legacy challenges? Like immediately after. Yeah, right after the PTQ, I, which was Thursday, I think Friday, I didn't play. But then Saturday, I joined the Pioneer Challenge, and I made top eight. Was a six zero nice sweep in the in the Swiss, and then the next day I joined the Legacy Challenge, and I also went six zero in the Swiss, and I made it to the finals, and then I split. So it was a pretty good week. Actually, it's just ridiculous, dude. You're insane. If, if, yeah, the Pioneer Challenge, I wasn't that experienced. I kind of I made like a small error against Oops All Spells. Actually, your least favorite deck. It's a deck in Pioneer too, and <laughs> um, and yeah, I was thinking if yeah if I split if I won or made it to the finals of that, it almost would have been three in a row. So now uh, that would have been sick, but it was pretty good. Yeah. I've actually decided to stop playing formats where Oops All Spells is legal because I just I can't beat that deck. Like I've I've literally Wait, so tried you everything. Legacy? Uh well, okay, fine. Next topic. Um so what have you guys been up to otherwise? Uh so Daniel, you won the you won the the legacy thing. All right, we we knew that was going to happen. We know you're going to win the next one as well. Bob, have you been doing anything interesting? Um magic related, not that much. The only thing I I've done is I like I revalued my paper collection and sold off a lot of my Magic Online collection. Um, as you might know, I haven't been playing very much lately. Uh, I was hoping for a ban this weekend, but nothing happened. But, you know, 
Uh, I think something is going to go eventually. It just, it's hard to tell when it's going to happen. So I'm happy just doing other stuff in the meantime. But um, yeah, so two things. One thing is, yeah, like reserved list cards have just gone through the roof. And also my Magic Online cards went up by a fair amount as well. And I was like asking Twitter, like, hey, why do you guys think this happened? Um, in terms of the reserve list, people are all pointing to, you know, Bitcoin going crazy. And the last time this happened, reserve list cards spiked as well. The idea being, you know, a lot of people make a bunch of money through Bitcoin, cash it out, and then put it into um, reserve list cards. But then that, that makes sense for reserve list cards. But then why Magic Online, like Legacy and Vintage cards were spiking too? And someone pointed out it was the Mana Trader series Ooh. for Vintage this this month. But I don't know that that would move prices by that much. Well, um, I know for a fact that like Tabernacle just jumped up to like 60 bucks online for no reason. And like, I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but like keeping in mind that like now that everything is accessible... It, wait, that actually makes even less... Oh, no, Mana Traders Vintage is a month-long thing. Uh, I also I think Tabernacle went back down because I well, yeah when they went to sixty I had a few so I, I sold them all immediately and then uh, I think Ooh, they went back Daniel down to five Gilchel but I can double check markets. The Dude, what is this? So Daniel's not only talented in, in high level tournament play but he's also something of like a a speculator if you will. I could just imagine you right now with like a little monocle, Daniel. Daniel just like with the, the gold chain, you know, going all the way down and just like you know top of the day. I'll rake in my two thousand dollars. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. Sorry, I was gonna say. Actually, no. It hasn't dropped. It's only it's a foil one. There might have been. Uh, so it doesn't seem the price dropped on Moto. Oh, I don't know. it might I'm be just the foil source. ones are randomly worth a lot less. Yeah, an, I, an I absolutely told me Daniel could probably single-handedly tank the Moto economy if he sold, you know, all his tens of thousands of millions of treasure chests he's won from winning all these PCQs, that's not so. a joke Daniel. i literally remember when somebody else was like yo you should sell your treasure chest right now they're like 90 they're buying it for like two and a half bucks and i was like whoa that's the highest price and then he was like yeah i just sold all of mine and i was like oh okay i'm gonna go and then when i went to go see it it was like back down to its regular price because the person literally just sold so many of them it's pretty crazy like the amount of people that are just like hoarding like bob you're a hoarder too right yeah i I generally have been successful in waiting for the chest to hit 2.5 or even 3 again, and then I sell a bunch then. Um, although it doesn't always work, because I, I remember the last time this happened, it hit 2.5 and I sold almost all of them. And then it hit 3, and I was like, damn, I should have waited even longer. Um, same goes for tickets, actually. Usually if you wait long enough, every few years it hits 0.95 again. Right now I know it's really low. It's like 0.78 on card hoarder. Um, but I think eventually it'll probably hit 0.95 again unless, you know, Moto goes into the tank or something. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's very weird. I know like the price of Lion's Eye Diamond also in paper like spiked up a bunch. Like it's oh, like Ooh, that's good. That's good. It's like a $700 card now. Wow. Yeah, all that's... the reserve list cards have gone like up 50%, potentially even more depending on the card, and it just like it blows my mind. Even like random cards that are like totally unplayable are spiking. Like I have this card called Sorrow's Path. I don't know if you guys know what it does, but it's like straight unplayable in any format ever. Do I want to know it's, what like, it does? The meme bad card um and it's also spiked to like seven dollars so it's just it doesn't make any sense anymore you know you're raking it in my dude okay cool so yeah it looks like you've been just getting richer and richer by doing nothing but i mean i guess you spent a long because i remember like even when we were roommates like you were still like buying dual lands and you're like you were doing your due diligence and like you know like ah okay i'm gonna do this this and this it's like that's you know paying off now and I, i'm glad i'm glad i'm i'm happy for you mr wong i'm happy for thanks you. Mr. Das. Um, all right. What do we got? Uh, next topic. Any Twitter questions that we should look at? 
so we have a bunch. Uh, actually, we don't have. We don't really have a bunch. We have like three or four different people who just wanted us to talk about bluestew.com. So let's start with that. Uh, oh have you guys been to the website? And if so, what are your findings? I have been tagged in multiple posts saying. I literally, I, I shit you not. One second, one second. Okay, check this out. So the, the idea behind blue stew dot whatever is that it's basically like an automated way to find, to build your very first blue legacy deck in today's format, right? And uh, yeah, that's it. It's literally, it's, just, it's a simple website. You click a button or you, ref you like load the page and then bam, it'll put up like a 60 card, 75 card deck and it just literally picks like random cards from an inventory of cards. And I, I swear to God, it's terrifying how playable half of these lists look like. Because I'm literally looking at one right now. And it's basically like 70 out of 75 of the cards that I played like two days ago. An AI has recreated something that I have spent like weeks trying to test and tune by literally throwing darts at a wall. And I feel crushed, defeated, and kind of in awe that this is the state of the format right now. You know what I mean? Like, it's definitely, a, it's it's definitely, like, it says something, you know? That is kind of wild. I actually just, um, I've been watching a Go documentary that Jarvis recommended. You know, everybody kind of watched Queen's Gambit uh, and loved it. And the next step was obviously a Go documentary. So I've been enjoying that. Uh, or not a documentary, sorry. It was a Go TV show that used to be an anime called Hikaru no Go. So I've been loving that. But then in addition to that, I watched a documentary uh, about AlphaGo, which is, I think, a deep mind AI that was created to um, play Go, essentially. And it's funny because back in like 2012, 2013, everybody was saying, oh, Go is way too complicated. Um, the best Go players in the world are much better than the AIs because the decision tree is just so big that it's impossible to have enough computing power um, to figure out board states. And then instead, they basically, you know, coded this AI using neural networks, which fuck if I know what that means. But uh, somehow they were able to use machine learning for these AIs to like play games against themselves and like learn. So it's interesting to see the AI can build deck lists. Maybe one day they'll be playing blue decks uh, and crushing the MTGO leagues. Dude, this blues2.net thing is literally blowing my mind. It just I just clicked the, for a new deck list and it gave me a deck that has four Euros in it and two Sylvan Libraries. I don't know why what this the Mind Sculptor is doing in, in, in this, but still, like, this, this is crazy. Um sorry, I just I couldn't let it go. Uh whoa, young pirate. Oh, watch for the mana base. The mana base can be weird on that site. That's okay. Uh, yeah, it's suggesting yeah, wasteland, and I I, I I am not a wasteland gamer. Not me. Oh man, I just made one and it has one Delver of Secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, well, you the, want it for combo decks yeah exactly it's the perfect card for combo and uh cloud post and all those sort of decks um yeah, yeah also yeah. for the record uh just to set things right i said bluestew.com that is incorrect blue stew is apparently a band um instead it's bluestew.net so uh if you want to enjoy the band go for it but if you want to enjoy random blue stew deck list it's net mm-hmm yeah um okay cool so i want to talk a little very briefly very briefly, like like super briefly, um, about Daniel, your your super PTQ win because that's it's just incredible. So you get basically you're not you you only you can only take one breath, and everything that you say about the super PTQ has to be said in that one breath. So three, two, one, go. What aspect of it? You Damn mean, it! Like, <laughs> what I played against, or what do you mean the list I played? Um, or just the top eight? tell us. 
Actually, you know, I, I don't even want to do that because I think we've done this enough times that, you know, when we let Daniel loose, it just doesn't stop. And I, I see what you're trying to do there, Anurag. I'm going to try to get a little bit more specific because I think it just comes down to like, a couple things. Like the, the legacy metagame is condensed such that it's basically, you know, most people are, are either playing Rug Delver uh, or Snow or some variant of Snow. And then there's also some random combo decks. Um, and I guess what I'm most curious about is most people struggle with the snow matchup, but Daniel's been beating it. So talk about how many times you played that matchup and what your sideboard plan is and how those matches ended up like playing out in your favor. And um, Okay, but you're I'm not most, allowed most to breathe about. while you talk. Boom. I played nope. against it actually 40% of the matches, so four out of the 10 rounds in the PTQ. Wow. Or was it 11 rounds? Maybe four out of 11 rounds? No, no, four out of 10 rounds. Um... Yeah, I, I was actually recently trying snow myself. Um, especially I played it in the legacy mock, so I actually tried snow myself. I think the the appeal to the snow deck is obviously it's the appeal to the traditional control decks where uh, it's hard to interact with. You have these bombs like Uro, where if the game just goes on, you just cast these bombs and it's hard for your opponent to interact with. And the, that's the appeal to those decks. And the downside is you have to fill your deck with all these interactive cards that aren't that uh, versatile. And you might put yourself in a corner in, into corners a lot. Um, so yeah, um, but yeah, one thing. So one thing about the Snow Delver matchup is I felt like a uh, Sylvan Library is a card that if you, as a Snow player, cast it, it can it can like single handedly beat the Snow deck if it stays in play um, because they don't really pressure your life total, and then you just draw a bunch of extra cards. And what's the the Snow deck's just a bunch of reactive cards and. They, so, like, what's the snow deck supposed to do? Because they have two things. Like, the snow deck, they have win conditions, but the Delver deck can interact with the win conditions if they're drawing a bunch of cards because you're winning with either um, Uro or Oko, or maybe there's some alternate win conditions, so it depends. Like, some lists have Green Sun or Yorion or, uh, like, whatever, like a creature like Shark Typhoon or Leovold. But anyway, basically, if a Sylvan Library is in play, the Delver player could just draw a bunch of extra cards, and then the, the Delver player can, um, at that point, like, the snow player doesn't have a lot of cards that they cast that generates them an advantage. So if the library's in play, like the snow player is not really getting an advantage going. Um, obviously you could like play library and lose to an Oko if you don't find an answer or, or whatever. But so that's just one thing I noticed, which means when I played snow, I was playing four abrupt decay, but a lot of snow players play like Banton stuff. I don't know all the reasons, like maybe it's better against other stuff or maybe it's a better deck, uh, well-rounded or whatever. It's better against but, combo. Yeah. But based on that, um, I get a lot of free wins on Sylvan library, basically. People also play very few answers to Colossus. Like you could use Round Seal or Celestial Purge or even Carpet of Flowers is can work or Caracas Carpet of Flowers can kind of work because you get extra mana to play your Uro so you can avoid uh, Colossus. Or uh, you could even play Hydro Blast, though I guess that's pretty narrow. Or yeah, or Caracas because then Caracas you can keep bouncing your Uro or just any win condition. Colossus is a card that if you just have a win con in play, it's likely to overpower Colossus. Like the good thing about Colossus is just that it's uh, resilient to interaction and it works well with library because it gains life so you can keep drawing extra cards. But yeah, basically I would say my basic approach when I play Delver is I try and stop all the win conditions from the snow deck because they have few win conditions. And then when you stop their win conditions, they don't really do that much. But it obviously it depends on the list. So if my opponent has Green Sun or Yorion or various other alternate win conditions, I have to be aware of those so I don't fall behind uh, to those. So you have to take that into note. And um, you, you can't always play controlling because sometimes you won't have an answer to Uro and they just cast it. Or maybe your hand's very aggressive. Also, I would say another thing I do is in game one, I can't answer Uro, so I think the matchup's really bad in game one. That's why, like, 
Um, I don't really ha- like pay attention to the matchmaking game one. Like I literally, they're just going to play Earl. Like whatever I do, like I'm not going to beat Earl in in a traditional way if I can't actually contain it well with Relic. So that that basically means that I like I basically I'm very aggressive with my creatures. If I know I'm playing against Snow, I really want creatures. And yeah, I basically always like force of will. Like if they play a removal spell, it's not like the old days of miracles where your opponent play where you like want to save force of will for their win cons because you actually can't force the you can't force a will Earl. That's just not going to work. Like they're just going to escape it. So you basically have to are you priced into using force of will on swords to plow shares or whatever. But obviously you could sometimes try and save it for Oko or whatever. But that just basically means like. I, like if my opponent plows my Delver, basically, what else are you gonna force? Because what else is your deck even doing game one except for attack? So yeah, I would say I'm pretty aggressive with my creatures, just forcing the removal and trying to like hope that uh, before they stick an arrow. It's pretty crazy okay, because I feel sense. like I feel like uh, historically Delver has always been like tempo oriented, but calling this iteration of Rug Delver tempo is just like it's like blasphemy almost, right? Because it's definitely just Rug mid range, right? What's like I would say the tempo aspect of the deck. Um, especially back because um, back w- when I, I added hooting mandrels, or I guess everybody kind of added hooting mandrels back. But the like the tempo aspect of the deck is just that all your spells are cheap, are one or zero mana. That mm-hmm. just means it's pretty easy to deploy your hand in a timely manner and not get stuck with cards in hands. Your cards are also versatile. I mean, that's not as much as a tempo, but it's kind of like tempo cards are versatile because tempo cards are like almost always relevant in the early game, if that makes sense, which lend- lends them to versatility. Because for example, you can play a snow deck. And a card like Abrupt Decay on the surface of it or d- looks versatile, it destroys permanence. But if you think about what's relevant in a game, if you play against a deck like Cloud Post or whatever, um, it's actually going to be, or an Ancient Tomb deck, it might actually be pretty bad because it's just going to trade down. Your opponent's going to have Ancient Tomb or do something broken. So the fact that the Delver cards are tempo-y, which means they're all like zero or one mana or cheap, means that they're almost always going to be relevant or relevant in the game that's going on. And since almost all of your cards are always relevant, it means that your deck's versatile, if that makes sense. Whereas like Snow, yeah. since it's lumbering, a lot of its cards are reactive. So even though on the surface they seem versatile because they they're they like Charm, like Archmage's Charm or whatever, it, they're actually not as versatile because they're not going to be as relevant as, in as many games. Whereas the, all the Delver cards are almost always relevant, I would say, because yeah. they're cheap. That's, that's actually like incredibly solid logic. I, I want to transition from this and just like take a look at... Uh, Sort of like so. So obviously, like I, we've we've known for a long time that legacy probably it, it's definitely balanced, but I don't think it's like the healthiest that it's been. Do you guys agree with that? Yeah, I think it's uh, people don't seem to be that happy with the format right now, and I think yeah. it's fair. So I had um, a not so original idea of creating a tier maker, and uh, I had uh, Twitch chat actually pull together some of the like rankings actually all of the rankings and what's really exciting to see is like how like just like a group of i guess it was like there was about 150 plus people in there so it's not like that big but it's still kind of cute to see like where people put each of the decks and uh what's interesting is that like rug delver five color snow we know were uh just like the two best decks you know but after that the second tier was almost essentially combo and then even even the the third tier after that was almost essentially combo right or like snow variants of sorts so it just it's it's really interesting to me i feel like i don't know it's i mean obvious at this point but i wonder i wonder uh i i guess the the most important thing is is less about knowing that we need to get changed but sort of transitioning to the urgency of change i don't know yeah yeah i feel like in legacy right now um, I would say historically the tension with bans is because people 
don't want cards banned because obviously they don't want the decks they have to like to have to get a new deck. Um, or like people usually like cards, like most cards that people get banned, even if they're a controversial card, even a card like KCI or Sensei's Top or, or a lot of cards, people tend to like them. So that's kind of like why Wizards avoids bans. But the current state of Legacy, cards like Uro and Oko, um, those aren't really cards that if you ban them, it's going to change the decks because you just slotted Uro and Oko into stock blue decks. And also most people seem to dislike it. I don't see a lot of people uh Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, I, mean, I don't, I don't like even an, know. I feel like the people that really want Uro or Oko to stay around, like they don't even like... It's just like so much neg- negative energy around those cards that like it's exhausting, really. You know, I mean, like it, it'll 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 happen eventually. Like I, I'm so certain of it because at the end of the day, like Legacy is like the people's format, and like it is a little bit more casual than you know modern and 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 you know standard and historic and whatnot. Um, so realistically speaking, I wouldn't be surprised to see like Watsi really factor in like what we have to say. It's just a matter of just like you know, you know, gently reminding them. Hey, hello. Hey, you know that kind of thing. Yeah, I was but, just yeah. gonna say like it's it's not like a big cost to bans. Like usually there's a cost to a ban, but right now it doesn't seem like there would be a big cost because when you ban Oak, like Uro or Oko, or obviously there's other cards too. Those are just like two obvious examples. Mm-hmm. It's not something that um, the cost, like the traditional ban cost, isn't really there because people don't seem to be like defending those cards. So it seems like it would be an an easy ban for them to do. It's not like there's something really holding them back. It would seem like to me. Yeah. Hey, Bob. What's up? Uh, new set coming out. Indeed, you excited? Um, I did follow spoilers. Um, not as much as I used to. I still, honestly, I still really like their new alternate arts, but I never, you know, get them. I just think they look cool. Um, but I didn't see any set cards in the set that were particularly powerful. But interested to see if you guys disagree and if you guys found any good ones. Well, you know, on a high level, I think um, I agree with you that uh this is not really like a legacy geared set but given like the last few years i think it's like fine right yeah i'm totally happy with it like if it's an interesting set and there's some cool cards in it but they're not necessarily like you know destroying legacy that's honestly better than what we've had so i pulled a couple of cards if uh that i thought were that intri- that looked like the most potentially legacy playable but obviously none of them are too busted so i could go through a couple of those in the in the ones yeah well, let's yeah. let's do that the one that i wanted to talk about like very very first i know i know for a fact the very first card that i'm going to stream with is let me oh, guess let me guess is it doom scar no it is not doom scar i looked at <laughs> i don't look okay. terminus anymore i don't understand i mean okay i understand the hype about this card in like slower clunkier formats like standard okay yeah like a three mana sweeper you know what I mean? But like in my format, like I'm just like, I look at three mana and I'm just like, oh my God, I'm going to get dazed. I'm going to get dazed. I'm going to get dazed. You know what I mean? Like I I think Fortel is like super cool, but the, the, they're just like, it's it's too much of a restriction to have to like wait an entire turn. I guess you could like Fortel on your turn and then play it on their turn, right? Like if it's I guess, it. uh Well, I think it's a sorcery, but I was going to say, I guess uh, Dead of Winter is legal, which kind of neutralizes this card a bit but if you're playing like a blue white control deck you know or bant you know i don't know yeah it might yeah, be you're also slow, like putting five mana in eventually so it's not anywhere close to terminus yeah um no but the card that One i wanted to try terminus, you know <laughs> well, okay those words we're not allowed to say out loud no 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 okay. um <laughs> Valky, I wanted to test the new Valky, the the new Tybalt Planeswalker, the five black red shardless agent cascadable card. 
Uh, that that looks so sweet. It looks like it's like, I mean, I don't think it's going to be that great, but it certainly looks like it's going to be fun, right? We haven't talked about this yet, but the way the interaction works is that you, you, you cast your Shardless Agent, the Cascade Trigger goes on the stack, and you keep flipping cards until you hit your two drop, which is going to be Valky. Uh, maybe it's not going to always hit that, but you get the point. But the way it works is, um, and I, I don't know why, I, I think it's just like the way the rules are defined. Maybe somebody can correct me because somebody smarter than me can correct me, but you get to pick which side you want um, so long as you hit the, the Valky, right? Like, exactly. Uh, well, question then: Are you playing Bloodbraid Elf as well? Because you, you might as well play like you know some red lands for the other side, just in case you hit seven mana. Damn, we're we're talking waterfalls now. I, I did do a waterfall video um, recently. That deck was kind of cool. It had like the rhinos and the ancestral re recalls and things like that. But uh, <clears throat> I hadn't thought about that actually, because like then you have to go straight four color, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the other way you could do it, you could do Bug, and then maybe you play one Red Land or something like that. You know what card sets up the Cascade, and it's good with Cascade spells? Sylvan Library. You can either Cascade into it or stack your <laughs> Cascade. For you a moment, I really thought you were going to say Sensei's Divining Top. That's a good one, too. Sy Sylvan Library is just a new top. I don't know if I've told that to you, but I was telling Stefan. I see Sylvan's Library like just kind of like a, a Sensei's Divining Top. You know what I mean? Similar vibes. Yeah, but like it's it's seven mana for Tibble, it's five loyalty, ticks up to seven. I, I guess the uptake doesn't do too much. So the, the abilities are what? Exile the top card? No, the, the uptake is good, dude. Okay. Why? Yeah, have you read the emblem? Oh, because yeah, because the emblem you can play it immediately. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I for seven mana, if you don't get to like do busted things as soon as the card comes down, it's probably not worth the price. So you're right. Like, yeah, you uptick either of them and then you can cast it immediately with the emblem. Okay. That makes sense. What happens if Oh, you have to have Tibble in play. Wait, no. What if Tibble... Oh, but the emblem stays in play. Oh, so it's guaranteed value. Is that right? I'm not sure exactly how the, uh, the rules... It is. It is. If you immediately take it up uh, and you hit cards that you can play, then yeah, you're good. Okay. The the down tick is kind of your stock, you know, get rid of something. So it's like exile an artifact or a creature. And then the ultimate is really weird and i don't understand maybe somebody can tell me like why the ultimate is this but it's just tormod scripts for both graveyards or i guess rel exile both graveyards and then add red 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 so it's like a what yeah the why, ultimate does not look classic. like something you would want to use more likely you're just like killing things and drawing cards um obviously if it like gives you enough mana to cast something to win the game then sure maybe you use it but it's not a very good ultimate no it's because of the passive you get to cast every spell from every graveyard Oh, oh, I that. Okay, okay. that's so cool. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's so. Yeah, this I see it now. So I'm being told that the uptick is close is like like a divination. So I'm sold. You ain't gotta say anything more than that. The rest of the abilities could go away. I'd be cool with this card. The downtick is hostage taker, and then the ultimate is just draw all cards in in all graveyards, which is <laughs> wait, yeah. wow. And then plus like a ritual. Okay, okay, I'm more on board now. Um, the other thing you haven't mentioned yet is the front side of this card, which is Valky, God of Lies, which is two mana for a 2-1, a legendary creature god, ETB, each opponent reveals hand, and you exile a creature until Valky leaves the battlefield. And then you can also pay X um, to have Valky become a copy of that card. So on its front side, it's not a very good card. Like, this card wouldn't see play in Legacy normally. But it's not like straight nothing either um it has some text um you've played against delver you could 
you know, on the play, you could steal an Arcanist, delay it for some turns, eat a removal spell. Uh, I just think the fact that this card basically has text is a huge upgrade to something like, you know, Ancestral Vision or Crashing Footfalls, where you have it sit there for like three or four turns, and by then you're probably losing. Well, you know what else uh, Valky can do? You can take their Uro and then copy it, and for, on turn three, attack with a 6-6 six, six Uro. Yeah, that's that's actually extremely nasty. I was thinking that too. Like, like if you if you play like Valky, they play Dreadhorde. You can copy the Dreadhorde. You can take the Uro. Flashback oh, Ponder. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you this this card actually seems pretty powerful um, in certain scenarios. So it's like definitely not like dead dead. But I'm not like crazy hyped up about the front half. As I'm, dude, you, know you get the to draw all card cards is? in graveyards. That's insane. This card is really good against Jeff's uh, Living Wish Yoran deck. You know, he Living Wishes or uh, puts Yoran in his hand. You got to copy a sweet creature. You know what I mean? This is really good uh, Jeff deck. So for Wait, the Jeff haters out there. You may play cards exiled with Tybalt. That means you can play lands as well, right? Yes. Yeah, you can play lands. And since the emblem is, since it's an emblem that's coming into play, <clears throat> if Tybalt dies, then you still get to play the cards? Yeah, play cards exiled with Tybalt. Yeah, because you have the emblem, I would imagine. Okay. Okay. I like this card. I'm excited. I can't wait to turn to this card off of like a Noble Hierarch, Shardless Agent curve or something. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, um, the thing is, if you're playing Shardless Agent, you're like usually playing fewer ones and twos um, just to cascade into more powerful cards. But yeah, I'll have to see how the deck is built before I judge. But I, I don't think it's going to be that good. No! Cyber Hydra no! last to get back in the meta. Oh my gosh. I was really sad about the Azorius Planeswalker. Every time I see blue-white... I just like lose my like like I I I just like sort of like I don't know I I can't describe the reaction but when I saw that there was an Azorius Planeswalker getting spoiled I just started freaking out and then I read the card and then I was like oh okay all right never mind um but they do have shard tokens and you get to draw a bunch of cards but this card is good not with like carpet it. of flowers oh I hadn't thought about that <laughs> just like all expensive spells I guess okay that's true yes. Um, and then there's Snowlands, yeah, there but only, the Snowlands are bad. There was only one more card I, I thought had some potential, and that was Tundra Fumarole, one red red for a snow sorcery, uh, deals four damage to a creature or planeswalker, and then you add a waste mana for every snow mana you spent. Uh, the reason I like it is I think Mono Red Prison could play it. Um, I know Mono Red Prison has like totally changed their um, deck to become basically an aggro deck, but hypothetically, if they move back towards like a Karn Chandra control deck, then I think this could be really powerful. You like kill a creature and then play a Karn for for free essentially. Um, like this is a, it could be a pseudo free removal spell if you're able to take advantage. Um, that being said, it does mean that Mono Red Prison needs to start playing Snow Mountains. So wasn't there like think... a two mana removal spell as well in blue that could be one mana if you foretell it? Yeah. There's, there's actually a couple bad. cards that like, would sounds anyway. so bad in Legacy. Mm, I don't know. You can fetch Dryad Arbor and like... Did you see the chart? There was a chart. So the, the way... I, I gotta find the card, whatever it's called. It's like Mythic, Mystic something. Um, it's one in a blue and it's like the next time a creature would... Uh, or, like Choose a target... Mystical Reflection. Yeah. And it's like choose a target non-legendary creature. The next time a creature or Planeswalker would ETB, it comes in as a copy of that creature. So I feel like you could like do some pretty silly things. This one, yeah. Mystic Reflection. Um, like you, because you have Dryad Arbor in the format, right? Like it's, it's not gonna, it's not the worst, right? Wait, okay. So I'm, I'm still confused. Like 
what is the use case? Your opponent has a Dreadhorde Arcanist, and then you fetch a Dried Arbor, and you pay one mana to make a Dreadhorde Arcanist? I don't understand. Yeah, it's just like flexibility. Or like they put Oko on the stack, and then you go fetch. Okay, it's a Dried Arbor now. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, things like that. What's the name of that that clone card you're talking about? Mystic Reflection. I mean, I, I don't think it's nothing. I, I don't think it's like crazy terribly good, because I already hate Dried Arbor like with, the, with an undying passion because it just somehow gravitates to my hand, like, no matter what. Like, even if I don't put it in my deck, it shows up in my 07. But, I don't know, this one has potential. And then, um, there was another card. I, there was a sweeper, too. Well, I think the I think the Tundra Fumarole, I think it could see play in, potentially in Snow Decks, because isn't it, like, you just cast it, and then you get three colorless, but you can use Astrolabe to pay, so it could be a mid-game spell that lets you double spell for, like, if you... Obviously, it's three mana, so it's expensive, but... I could see playing like one or two because you just it could be literally zero mana. Like you just pay three mana, get all this, get all the colorless mana back, but then use Astrolabe to filter that mana. Yeah, uh, but then like the problem with that is like red red is a pretty steep cost actually because like red is already only just a splash color in the Astrolabe decks. Um, so yeah. then you're probably using your Astrolabe to cast the the Tundra oh, yeah. Fumarole to begin with, and then yeah, and the, the real like the, a Jeskai Snow deck or a Rug Snow deck with more red, then that could potentially make sense. Yeah, something like that. Um. I guess that's kind of interesting design. I guess it also works nicely with Carpet of Flowers, haha. But uh, um, that's kind of interesting design because you, the colorless mana isn't that great. I guess it's it's much better, like like you it's mentioned, good with like Astrolabe. yeah, mid mid game, mid game is probably when you have like four or five mana and you can actually like use the color. But like, now that I think about it, like what are even like good colorless spells that you'd be wanting to cast? Because like Uro is just not colorless at all. Like, well, yeah. In my head, I was thinking you could use Astrolabe, but yeah, it's true. It's You'd actually need to tap like uh, you'd need like a snow mountain, and then you have to basically use an astrolabe because you're not really gonna have two snow mountains in play. So yeah, and it's already a stretch to have one in play. So, yeah. yeah, and then the last card I think some people mentioned was the blue aura, uh, where you basically tap their creature and it doesn't untap, and then you lose life. Um, it's kind of like a reverse swords to plowshares in blue, but you lose life. Um, the only upside to that is that if you're playing something like Death Shadow and Modern or Legacy, uh, it's not that big of a downside. Um, however, there is a slight downside in that it doesn't go to your graveyard, and Shadow decks also play Grimmag Angler, so it doesn't help there. Uh, I think it has, you know, some potential, uh, and I think it could be like a decent, you know, one or two of, uh, and maybe might be better than Fatal Push in some situations, uh, but it doesn't really move the needle for Shadow, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I was excited that they had like a one mana blue removal spell, and like. <clears throat> In this current format, like I feel like even for like the fair decks, like life gain isn't even it, like like life gain is trivial, right? So like paying that much life to get rid of something that has like four or five whatever like stats is is not even like that much of a cost, and you can just like buy it back. I'm talking from like from the perspective of like a like from a fair deck, right? What the hell is this card? I've never seen this one before. Um, so I, I'm kind of happy about this uh, buying the monster, but then also like in the blue red decks, like if you want a good mana, like. Maybe that's where this kind of card would shine against like the Tarmogoyfs and the whatnots. Um, I don't know. I would kind of expect to see this as like a one of maybe in, in sideboards, but I guess also the fact that it's blue is kind of a downside, right? Yeah, and it doesn't work with Dreadhorde Arcanist. Um, and it doesn't, you know, stop uh, like, I guess, creatures with effects that don't need it to tap. Um, I can't really think of too many off the top of my head right now, but. Like Thalia, for instance. Yeah, yeah. I was actually, actually... A... Sorry, what's that? I, I was just going to say, there's actually two more cards I think could see Legacy play. Two uh, simple cards. Hit me. What are they? 
The one is the faceless haven that snowlands. Do you know which what it does? It's um, it's yeah, a snowland. It taps for colorless, and then you can pay three snow, and it becomes a four-three vigilance uh, creature land until end of turn. I could see decks playing that, like uh, any of the decks that play Mishra's Factory or Mutavault types, or yeah. But how do, how are they getting at three snow mana? All those decks are like, colorless. <laughs> well, you can play you, des- put in Descent taxes. You can tap your Faceless Haven to proc your other faithful, Faceless Haven. You get it? See, they combo. It works together with itself. But yeah, Death and Tax is actually a good one. Uh, what was I going to say? And I also oh, think the. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say I'm happy about Crush the Week. It's two in a red. Have you seen that card? It's no, uh, it? it's a sorcery. It says deals two damage to each creature. If a creature dealt damage this way would die, exile it instead, and you can foretell it for two. And then the foretell cost is red. So like I think specifically against something like Hogak, it it seems kind of nice. Or like if you're playing against a Cathalia or something like that, like you can do it over the course of a couple turns. I guess the downside is that well, no, no, since the foretell cost is. Like, the sum of the foretell cost is equal to the actual cost of the card. It's not bad. But the fact that it does exile, kind of relevant against, um, you know, just like all the, the Wibbly 2-1s and the 1-2s and the 1-1s and stuff like that. My issue with the foretell cards is, like, net-net, you're still spending more mana than the going rate in Legacy. Like, you're spending two mana at one turn to do nothing. That just seems really bad to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this this one is kind of an exception because it's, like, two and a red either way. Like, it's three mana no matter what. Uh, it's not like more because I, I know for like some of the more powerful foretell cards it's like two then plus like four when the actual card costs like five um i mean also the artwork on the card is really sweet it's just like a giant fist it's just like punching into a cave or something like that i don't know i i kind of i kind of like that um but yeah I, I do agree the mechanic is actually kind of balanced you know <laughs> unlike certain mechanics that we've seen in legacy last year in the last year uh, i'm not much of a combo player but i, I felt this Harnvel Horn of Bounty, have you seen that card? Yeah. That would be yeah. my last one. Uh, it just seems like if you get that in play, you could pro- almost just cast your whole deck, like similar to, uh, what's it called, the six mana, the one that you pay one life for draw card. It kind of reminds me of Necropotence or one of those cards. Um, where I'll just mm-hmm. read what it does quickly. It's like five mana, one red, four colorless for an artifact. And it says discard a card, exile the top two cards of your library, and you can play those. It also has a back half, but that one's less relevant. It's just a 3-3 uh, three, three god creature, and whenever you cast a spell, you get red mana, and uh, you don't lose this mana until end of turn. And it has like another ability that's, rel- that's just like a limited, uh, it's just like you can boast twice. But I just felt like that, that five mana card, it just reminded me of cards like, um, I forget what it's called, the one where you can cast spells off the top of your deck for five mana, or the one where you just like Necropotence type cards. Which is you get, yeah, it's, it's like, like a, five. It's like the red future side effect. There was already experimental frenzy, but they're making another variant, I guess. And this card does seem like it probably wins the game if you get it out in something like you know, um, mono red storm or ruby storm. Uh, so I mean, it has a home in you know the tier F decks of legacy, if you will. Uh, I, it's like way different than frenzy because frenzy is like you have to literally have the top card keep lining up and lining up. But this card, you just discard a card and you look at the top two. So it's kind of like you know what I mean. It's pretty different. It's kind of like Bola Citadel kind of card. It's an artifact too. Like who knows? This might see vintage play. I don't know. I guess it's a backside, so maybe you can't search for it. But yeah, I don't it know. Definitely, how it definitely, works. it definitely has potential. I mean, I'm more a fan of the front side, the three three. Um, but but yeah, I, I mean, like I guess if you get enough mana, Harnfell probably does some stuff. Or, or you like could imagine, like, like if you can. 
I was gonna say like if you compare it to Ad Nauseum, it's just like it seems like not that hard to draw your whole deck, but I'm I'm not really gonna build a combo deck. Well, around. here's the thing: is you discard the card and then you exile the top two, so you don't you need to fill your hand somehow with the cards you're exiling, and then you can keep the chain going. Yeah, it's true that like if this is your last card to play, it can get kind of awkward um, because at that point you're like low on cards. But it's like once you if you have like two cards in hand, you got to look at the top four. But actually, it's it's not a you do have to discard cards just for two more, but it just seemed like definitely like the kind of card where you could get in play and just instantly win. So it uh, it has it has a high power level, though it might not be good enough. Yeah, potential payoff. One card that I think that got unreasonably hyped, or, or maybe, maybe it's just like I only I didn't see enough of the reactions to it. But this ascendant spirit card that you put in here, Daniel, uh, <laughs> the the one mana one one that was like figure of destiny, but like worse. I don't know. Like it just I. Ah, I don't like this card at all. I feel like I feel like why is this in blue? First of all, that's what I want to know, right? Like, I mean, maybe because the final mode is like so. Basically, it like it's it's like figure of destiny in that you can like put in different amounts of snow mana, and then however much snow man snow mana you put in, and then like based on like what the creature type of the card is, it'll have like different stats. And the final ability, it's like a spirit angel warrior snow creature, you know, baboon that has like flying and like you know when it when it deals combat damage, you can draw a card. But like that's like ten mana that you have to put into the card in order to get that payoff. Um, unless you use like some of the new changeling cards that come out, but that's a combo for other formats. Probably not this one. I don't know. I just, I don't understand what got people really hyped up about this. It, it, people like figure of destiny was really good in standard when it was out. And it, it just feels like a standard card for, for me. Also the fact that it's blue makes it worse in legacy because say you invest 10 mana and then they just pyroblast it. So yeah, definitely a no for me. Yeah, it didn't seem particularly uh, legacy playable, but it did seem like a sweet design, though. One thing that's funny about it is usually these kinds of cards would be insane and limited because it's just like a cheap card that you play, but then it just wins in the late game. But getting four snow seems really hard to do in in unless you're like heavy draft. Like it just seems hard to do in limited. So I wonder if this card's even going to be like that good in draft. You know what I mean? Because it's kind yeah, of hard I to actually. I think it's funny that like <laughs> you have to like draft the snowlands in limited. They just don't let you have them. They're like, no, we're gonna make this hard as harder on you. Well, if you, if you just had all free snow snowlands, it wouldn't be fun because then you would just get all the insane payoffs. You know what I mean? But it's just like this card. It's really hard to it's really hard to get snowlands like that many snowlands in limited and and uh, like getting triple snow just to make this a four four. Like and that, at that point you've already spent six mana. Like I don't even know if this is a card that this is the kind of rare that you could see going at the at the end of the pack unless uh, it's easy to get a bunch of snowlands or you're in a dedicated snow deck. Yeah, I mean, I just hope I'm really wrong about this card, that it ends up being busted somewhere, somehow, some timeline, some universe. Doesn't even have to be here, whatever. I, I just... I'm sorry, this one, I don't understand the hype I mean, it's just it. not that good of a card uh, yeah. by by the legacy standards, but it's, it's a cool design. It's another uh, figure of destiny type. Nice. All right, well, I mean, realistically speaking, this card, this set, like... Has a lot of cool stuff in it, but like nothing that's like really that game changing. Maybe a couple cards that could be good, but not like nothing that slams like you know stands out to me as like oh wow you know legacy forever will be changed. This is like the next coming of Oko. You know like it is honestly like a nice breath of fresh air. I don't mind it at all. You know we could we could do this for a hot while. You know like until until like Oko gets banned, until Dreadhorde gets banned, and then like you know we all get back into the um, you know, play patterns of whatever that we're, you know, hopeful for. Uh, these kind of sets are t totally great. I 
I mean, I'm going to try the new Valky. I, I swear to God, the one thing that I do like about this set, the, the one thing that I think is just so insane about this set is the artwork. I've been looking at the new uh, frames for all the cards, and, like, they just make me happy. Like, they're so cool. You know what I'm talking about? Like, all the, like, the, like the pillars or, like, the mythological-esque I, I don't know what the right word is to describe them so i'm sorry if i if i'm not describing this properly but i just love the artwork for the new cards there it's incredible wait oh my god wait wait what there's a card called fearless pup this is so cute it's like a little baby dog that's just going oh okay all right never mind sorry i got distracted my bad um all right then do we have anything else for today or are we uh we goo I think that's about all. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I've been playing a little bit of Vintage, which is what I'm going to go do. All right, right after this, I'm going to play some Vintage, finish up my Vintage Doomsday League. Uh, this deck is really good, by the way. I don't know if you guys have been playing much Vintage lately, but uh, I picked it up like Saturday before the PTQ, went 4-1 in a league without having any idea of what I was doing, and then like went 6-3 in the PTQ after like punting maybe like once or twice, which is mm -hmm. crazy. Like, wow. I mean, I've what seen people say? post on Twitter about it. I haven't played it myself. I thought Daniel tried it, but I also have seen people post on Twitter be like, oh yeah, Discover N is just a god because he's been crushing with it. And uh, even, even really good vintage players like uh, Justin Gennari, I am level one. He picked the deck up and he's like, yeah, I'm not Discover N. He's just the god of Doomsday. What yeah. is it, just like a stock Doomsday deck you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, just like straight up blue-black. It's really good. It's like insanely good. Um, yeah, yeah, seems like a strong deck to me. Discover N definitely has insane results. I, was, I looked at their Goldfish page but I, I do remember LSV said he didn't like the deck because he didn't like playing the blue mirrors. Um, so, I don't know. Something to, to think about. Hmm, that's interesting because I, I feel like well my, my sample size is like literally I can count on my fingers and my toes um, but the blue matchups have been like fine so far I actually it's crazy like this is how nutty it is my opponents have brain freezed me for nine cards after my doomsday and I still survive and win like you know what I mean like I don't know maybe 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 I've got a little bit of the the hand of discover n you know, themselves or whatever. Uh, but but this, like, moving forward, I think I just play this deck. I think it's better than Breach, given how much, like, Leyline of the Void is in the format and, like, Graveyard Hate in general. And did you see the... Uh, I guess, did you see the Dreadhorde Arcanist Doomsday version I saw somebody tweet, tweet about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, um, I think uh, Jacob, who has been playing a lot of Vintage, you know, ported the strategy over from Legacy and then, like played it in vintage and was like yeah this is working and it's it's great and honestly i think that's really kind of cool just seeing the sort of like cross format like uh innovation innovation I, I wanted to use like a fancier word like what is interpolation is that even a word interpol the insertion of something of a different nature into something. yes that's the perfect word yes this cross format interpolation like it looks it, it, i i think that's really cool like you can you can take things from all like assets of magic and then apply it to like other other parts of the game and i don't know i i, I like that so um yeah this this month, like you mentioned, is vintage mana trader, so I think that means that there is a little bit more awareness of what's going on in the format for the format, and I'm kind of excited to see like next week what actually ends up taking down their uh, 15k tournament. Cool. 
All right, we're going to wrap it up here, friends. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for uh, hanging out and uh, being part of the Patreon. Don't forget, if you have any questions, if you want to reach out to us, feel free to hit us up at uh, elopunters, at elopunters on Twitter. I think I am not uh, smart when it comes to this sort of stuff. But um, that'll be it from me, Bob, and Daniel. We'll see you for the next episode. Bye. See ya.